Welcome to Leveraging Leadership, where we unpack the art of business leadership. I'm your host, Emily Sander, C-suite executive turned leadership coach. Braith, how are you doing? How is it? Oh. How is it down under? I have to say. <laughs> I'm so excited to to be here with you this morning. It's morning for me, of course. It's yesterday afternoon for you. That's so right. I know I have a friend in America and I went to visit her and she's got young kids once. Uh, we were sitting down. I was explaining that I've come from the future because it's <laughs> tomorrow where I live. He couldn't get his head around it. He was like yeah. seven. It's just, but it's a great, great, great thing for kids to understand that, you know, they're it's not. for me to get my head around. around. Yeah. It's like <laughs> I'm traveling on this call right now. That's amazing. <laughs> I- you're international and you're a time traveler. Emily, you have made it in podcasting. <laughs> yeah, I remember I was on a flight, an international flight, and we the plane was chasing the sun. So we were just like, oh, it was yeah. never it was never dark. And I was like, this is so weird. So um, yeah. anyway, anyway. Well, I'm booking a flight to go to a conference in the States and I've got to go via Japan because it's the only way I can get there. And, and I arrive the day before I leave. <laughs> That's crazy. That's mind trippy. Yeah. I know, so right? <laughs> Very cool. Cool. So before I start with anything, can you, we were talking about this earlier. Can you explain what laughter yoga is to people? (laughs) I didn't know you were going to start with. (laughs) Yeah. Well, look, laughter yoga was uh, really brought together in the 90s by a guy called Dr. Madan Kataria in uh, India. And he was working with patients and he noticed that people who had joy in their lives seemed to kind of get better faster and be, you know, out of the hospital quicker. And so he thought, well, I'm going to create this laughter thing so that people can be happy and just be well in their everyday life. So I started with a group of people down in a local park and they just told jokes. But after a week, the jokes ran out. And he's thinking, because <laughs> <laughs> there's only so many jokes you've got in your life, right? So then he started thinking, well, how can I make this so that we could actually laugh and get the benefits of laughing? And of course, India being a country of yoga, he thought, well, you know, laughter, really laughter is an extension of breathing. And he said, well, let's let's call it laughter yoga and let's do breathing exercises and laughing exercises. So really what it's become is laughing for the sake of laughing, <laughs> not at funny stuff, but just laughing. And you do some exercises to laugh. There's a little bit of stretching and movement, but it's not like traditional yoga where you're on a mat or anything. You can wear whatever you're wearing right now. Uh, and do it but it's really a way of really fooling your brain into knowing that you're happy because here's the thing we're kind of pretty dumb beings like (laughs) our brain cannot tell if we're fake laughing or real laughing it's like it goes we're laughing so we're happy so it just thinks we're happy so after 20 minutes it's uh, there's a lot of science on this now so this is not where we're there's been a lot of research over the last 30 years uh to show that the the body brain feedback loop goes well this person's laughing so therefore i'm happy and it releases all the oxytocin all the Mm -hmm. serotonin all the good stuff that we want all the good drugs in our brain and our body basically lifts us up so if you have never done laughter yoga i highly encourage you to jump online just start with some youtube videos there's a gazillion out there and then if you have an opportunity get to a laughter club either on zoom or in person so yeah there's laughter yoga. i love that a laughter club like that sounds like an amazing hobby to to take up 
It is so cool. <laughs> Very cool. Well, thank you for sharing that. I had never heard of that before. So I was like, I need to, I need to tell people about this. Um, no, you but- were quite flawed when we brought it up uh, last time we spoke. <laughs> and I loved the way you were like, so like, wow, what is this thing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we can, who, who can't use more laughter in their life? And it's like, if you start fake laughing, I think you mentioned this, but I would assume that you just start really laughing after a while. Like, this is funny. This is dorky. (laughs) You just just get into this zone. Like, I don't find it hard to laugh, but people often come and go, I can't laugh. There's, you know, I don't laugh. And, you know, by the end of it, they're like rolling on the floor, crying with laughing. I have not done that for since I was a kid because as kids we laugh organically it's just normal but as adults it gets beaten out of us because you must be serious you must be tough you must and you know literally we stop laughing in a joyous way as adults because culturally it's just what happens (laughs) I did not know we were going to have this conversation and I love it because you know laughter in life and in business is essential (laughs) well I think laughter is a connection point like a true connection point with people universally and and I'm going to try to pivot. I'm going to try to pivot this to marketing, Braith. So, um, so, and if you're looking at your ideal customers and trying to market to them, you have to find what connects with them personally. And so, yep. to to get us into this part of the conversation, can you just do a brief explanation of maybe what BNI is and your involvement in it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, that's a very good twist around from last year. I was wondering how you're going to get back from this. But yeah, so for the last 15 years, I've been the executive director of BNI, which is the world's largest professional referral organization. And I own the Melbourne franchise. Uh, so we have a whole part of members. They turn up to a weekly meeting and they teach each other the sort of business that they're looking for. And through building trust, which is happening over time and the consistent weekly meetings, people slowly open up their networks to other people in their chapter that they feel trustworthy and then they pass referrals and the clearer you are about what it is that you want, the easier it is to refer to you and that's the key to it. And so that's a really good segue into marketing. Okay. Thank you for that background. And then how does one start about, um, how does one begin finding their ideal customer? If you have a marketing mm. manager or or someone who's just like, we're doing marketing, but it's not mm. working. What do you say to that I person? Know, right. Um, well, firstly, a lot of people don't understand the difference between marketing and sales. And when I did my uh, studies in marketing, one of the professors said the easiest way to think of marketing is marketing is everything that gets the customer to your front door sales is when they're in your room and you can move them to being a paying customer. So when you realize that, it's like, oh, so all the antecedents to getting them into my room or into my shop or onto my website or wherever wherever it is, that's all marketing. So if people understand the difference between sales and marketing well, then they can start to think about what are the sort of things that I'm doing that I need to do to bring those people to my door. I'm using door as a euphemism, but it means the sales process. So, you know, it's everything from the way you communicate, your brand, you know, advertising is marketing, but it's not the only part of marketing. Uh, It's the way you deliver your brand messaging. It's your logo. It's the language that you use. It's all the things that a potential customer is going to see before they get into the buying space. And there's a lot of it. And 
Uh, I, I don't know if I mentioned to you this uh, the other week, but I've just finished uh, judging the Australian National uh, Marketing Awards. I'm a member of the Marketing Institute. And, you know, we've I've seen some really cool stuff that people are doing at the moment to bring people to their door. And at, at the moment, the really hot thing that people are doing is a lot of personalization. So you can really personalize the way you communicate to your potential customers these days in a way that, you know, 20 years ago was un imaginable but you know it's just very easy now so you can get very very individual about the way you can potentially uh, connect to your customers so the, that means that if you're going to do that you've got to know exactly who you want to do business with and why because that's the key to it because you can throw a bucket of money at facebook ads google mm. um billboards paper newspaper ads tv ads but if you're not speaking to the right person they're gonna go i don't get you i'm not on this journey with you i'll see you later and then you're going well we're doing all this marketing why aren't we getting people probably because you're not talking to the right people yeah if you if you don't know who you're connecting to you can cue the toilet flush sound with all that money because it's literally right. like just burning money um we've done i've done that and we've done that at companies i've been in where it's like this isn't doing anything i know right and yeah and look most of the time because uh, i work uh, a lot in keynote presenting and you know, i talk to companies when i go to their conferences and i say well who's the intended audience what's the message that you want to get from them and they're like what do you mean? I'm like, well, the way I'm going to speak to your audience and the message I'm going to deliver is going to depend on the outcome that you want. So assuming the outcomes, the, the buying stuff, like what do you want me to deliver? And so often uh, organizations just haven't thought that through. And that's why, you know, if you go to conferences sometimes and you see speakers and it's just like a blur and you go, well, that wasn't relevant <laughs> to me. But, you know, most keynote speakers can tailor their speech to yeah. meet the needs of the audience. So if you've got a room full of architects looking to be, um, you know, better leaders in their business, you're going to have a very different conversation to if you have a room full of uh, social media marketing people. <laughs> That's a whole different conversation. So, you know, you really need to tailor your communications to that. But it's really getting down to a very granular level of who you're talking to and if you don't have the avatar written down you don't really know who your customer is so if, if a company hasn't got that level of detail they're never going to connect to the right people so how does one go about doing that and you used the word personalize earlier and yeah. i know some people hear that and are like so are they going to do like creepy stalker stuff to try to get me into their business where it's like how did you get this phone number how did you get my address or something or is it something different <laughs> with that. but here's the thing the reality is these days you know the world knows what we're doing. The world knows how to connect with us. And you can buy information, you know, your supermarket sells your information, your department store, all the websites that you visit. You know, everyone's collecting data and data is power and they are selling that. So I don't know in the States whether you have, do you have supermarket loyalty cards where you get mm -hmm. points and stuff like that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So all that is, is that's just them getting your data and basically selling it off and giving you a few points to make it seem like you're getting something, but it's them buying, you keep collecting your data and selling it. So they make a lot more money from selling that data than they do from giving you your points or whatever it is that you get in return or you have 10% off your groceries or whatever. So then make, don't, don't 
be fooled for a second that they are not collecting your data and selling it on. So everyone's doing it. Like, you know, and, and now in um, Europe in particular, in Australia, I'm not sure about the States, there's some very clear uh, opt-in stuff where you get to say, yes, I'm interested, no, I'm not willing, and you can opt in or opt out. And in, in Europe it's called GDPR, <clears throat> excuse me, where they're very uh, very tight about the way they uh, use that information, which is great, but still there's a lot of information being collated. So you asked about personalization. So personalization is really when you go into uh, your uh, supermarket, they know that you like, I don't know, orange juice, for example. So, you know, you really like orange. Maybe that was a bad example because there's only so much you can drink, but you get the idea. So, you know, maybe you go, oh, okay, Emily loves orange juice. And then they know how Emily behaves online. They know what Emily likes to look at. And so you're going to see ads served up to you online with orange juice. Yeah. And it's like, well, how did that happen? Well, you know, partly it's because your data's been sold and partly it's because of your buying habit and partly it's because of the way you navigate the web. Maybe you're clicking on websites about orange juice and so it knows that you are interested and you're looking at orange juice ads on um, Instagram. So it, it knows that. So businesses now have the ability to serve ads to you online in a very particular way, but it's not even just that for example i use a thing called sendspark if you if you haven't discovered it oh my goodness you've got to do it it's the coolest coolest thing i'm going to rock your world with this so it's a uh it's a chrome add-on and so instead of writing a lot of emails these days i just uh drop down the the link from the uh, chrome and it opens up a recording window and i just record a video and it drops into the email and instead of it being like a click on this link, which looks like spam, right? You've got this little window of Bray speaking. You can see my head moving. So you know it's me. So you go, oh, okay, I can open this video. And then so I don't write these massive long emails anymore. I just do like one minute or less quick videos and any specific information that needs to be written, I pop underneath it. But people love it. And that's really personalized. And so if you're reaching out to potential clients and you can do a really personalized email like that they are just going to go wow emily gets me she is mm -hmm. talking directly to me it takes 40 seconds of your time it's longer longer to write an email i don't know about you but it'll take me a lot, <laughs> lot longer than 40 seconds to write that information and um people love it so that's a really cool way of doing it people are using direct message um chatbots with ai that really understand how to talk to you so where do you come down on that how do you how do you use that and how should you not use that Ah, well, you know, there's a gazillion um, tools out there at the moment in, in the AI world. I, I, I personally love AI. I use it every day for stuff. Um, I personalize my emails using AI to people. So in the, my database, when I'm communicating to people, we will use AI to uh, really personalize the message. So We'll say, oh, Emily, we know you're a chief of staff expert. So, you know, we might start off with, oh, Emily, chief of staff expert in the email. So, and you go, oh, well, how'd they know that about me? But, you know, <laughs> it's magic. <laughs> but, I mean, AI can do that. And it really allows you to make stuff really relevant for the customer. But the key to it is you've got to tell the AI the tone that you want to deliver it in, the intended audience. So it's not as easy as just going to chat GPT and say, write me an email, dot, dot, dot. It, you've got to put, it's like if you're going to give a brief to a human, 
you would give them a bit of information about the intended audience and the outcome you'd expect. It's the same thing with AI. Most people don't get that, but AI is like a person. You've got to give it the info. But I love it, and I think it's here to stay, and I think it's growing, and I think that in business today, I think if you're not learning about the opportunities that are available for you in AI, you kind of go and get lost, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I've dabbled around with ChatGPT, and it is like phenomenal in certain ways for brainstorming activities. And I'm yeah. trying to get this across. Can you just tell, oh, that's what I was trying to say. Yeah, or, right. <laughs> or like you said, like more casual or like, you know, more friendly or something like yeah. that. It's like, I was like, okay, so you have to, you have to pay attention because it's a powerful tool. It's um, a very powerful tool. And, you know, I think it's been here for a while. People just think it happened last year, but it's actually been here for quite a few years. It's just, got to the point now where it's hit critical mass and the early adopters who've been using it for, you know, a number of years are, you know, well and truly on the journey. And so, you know, we're, we're the early majority now. And I think that that's really fascinating that, you know, where will this go? I saw a graph that showed the uptake of things like Facebook and like Instagram and even like Bitcoin and yeah. chat GBT yeah. is like this parabolic super steel. Like, it's insane. I've seen something similar. It's like, it's insane the uptake on it. And, you know, it. I just, I just cannot imagine where it will be in five years time, but it's here to stay. <laughs> So you talked about uh, personal video messages, which I love because yeah. video people connect with faces more yeah. and things like that. I had a vendor um, who sent me a video message and I was like, oh, okay, like that's nice. He sent people messages and he personalized it to me. So I was like, mm -hmm. Emily, like, I just want to congratulate you on blah, blah, blah. He had mentioned some specifics about yeah. my account and I was like, no way. So he Why? couldn't have, you know, faked that. So yeah. how do you how do you decide when to go ultra personalized? Yeah. Or when to go like medium or, you know, maybe yeah. not personalized. Yeah. Oh, so, such a great question because you can get trapped in the a maze of endless um personalization. Look, ultimately it comes down to the value proposition that you're trying to uh achieve with the particular customer. So you know, obviously we do business with people we know, like, and trust. And if you're trying to build trust with someone, personalizing the way you engage with them is the fastest way to build trust, right? So if you are a, a, a um, was he a vendor of yours? Yeah, he, yeah, uh, he, I'm on a platform of his and I use it very well. I'm one of his top users. Yeah. And so he wanted yeah. to say like, thank well, you for using the platform. Well, there's your answer. So, you know, you're a great customer. So now you're talking about how that experience, I'm sure you've talked about it to other people mm -hmm. as well. So like, how much would that cost to pay people to do that? Like you're a mini influencer now because, mm -hmm. you know, you're out there extolling the virtues of that that product. And I'm sure you, rec you would recommend it to other people. And so you find the level of value that you're going to achieve from engaging with your high value customers. I mean, there's no point in investing. I always say segment your customers. You know, you've got to have platinum, gold, silver, bronze, and, you know, you should be retiring the bronze customers on a regular basis. You should be working out whether the silvers are going to go to gold and then the golds are either going to go to platinum or they're going to drop down to silver. It's all always, you know, trying to work out where, where the customer is in the value proposition. But, you know, if we continually moving the, the average up, 
you know, you're going to have a better business, right? So, but you wouldn't be investing in time in personalizing stuff to a bronze customer, right? It's just, you're just not going to do it. You're not getting any value from that. But you're in that company's eyes of probably a gold or a platinum uh, customer. So they're either moving you up into an even stronger brand supporter or user of that product, uh, or you're already right up there and they're just making sure you stay there. Yeah. I mean, I was blown away. I was like, this is going to be a video message, which will be nice. But when they said, hi, Emily, I was like, wait, they can't say that to everyone. And they went on to describe specifics about my account. I was like, wow. So I emailed them back and I was like, wow, like, thank you so much for your message. Um, It is possible to get an AI to do that as well. You know, you can actually have a talking head do it. So, I mean, I I personally don't have that... um, going on in my business i do them myself but you can actually make that an ai that does that and you probably couldn't tell i went to a, a marketing conference recently and they showed an ai selling a wine subscription to this guy and it was like the whole conversation was like live and you couldn't predict what was going to be said and that you could not tell this talking head was ai it was in insane it was just insane but that's where we're at yeah maybe i got tricked maybe i got hoodwinked but he but it was it doesn't matter because what do you feel about that brand now yeah i would feel less if it was actually fake though so uh, probably um, but I, still <laughs> i think he, i think he did it but uh, i'll choose to believe he did it anyway um but you know what think about um 30 years ago you're probably too young to remember this emily but when mobile phones first came out and text messaging became a thing like it was people considered it rude and now mm-hmm. it's like almost rude to pick up the phone and call people you know stuff changes uh that's cultural true. that's really true shift and maybe the cultural norm in 10 years time will be for an ai chatbot why didn't you send me an ai video I know, right? Imagine we'll think that's really, really cool because, you know, in 10 years' time, that might be the cultural norm. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. This is happening so fast. We just don't know. But never never assume that what is a bit icky today isn't going to be the norm tomorrow because I can assure I worked in telco in the 90s. I can assure you we thought SMS was a fad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a really good point, actually. It's a really good point. I probably will look back on this and say, you know, it's rude when someone doesn't reply to your AI video message with another <laughs> AI video message. Come on, Emily. Um, so in the way the machines talking to the machines and Emily's oh sitting out there having her pina colada. On oh the my page. gosh! Yeah, that part. Well, you like- know, that's the theory, but I don't know that that's what will happen because you know I've been around for a long time and I can remember when I was in telco in the '90s and people were saying that you know we'll spend all this time with in leisure, but. Now people are doing more than ever. So I think what AI allows us to do is invest our time in doing things that really are valuable to our business and our lives. So we're still going to have a lot of stuff to do. We're just going to get a lot more stuff done, right? So AI simply is a tool to help us. One of the elements you were talking about was kind of churning the bottom of your of your roster with like yeah. churning out the bronze accounts. Yeah. And I'm wondering, you know, if you it makes sense to focus on your gold and platinum and platinum. How do you um how do you stay laser focused on that and, and keep yourself disciplined to say, nope, I'm gonna stay right here and double down almost on what I know works yeah. and get the quality touches in versus the numbered game and the funnel and all that stuff. Yeah. How do you how do you help people say, okay, 
you're you're doing all right. You're you're maybe here, but I want to take you to laser focus where every yeah. single touch point you have is meaningful. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's the 80-20 rule, really, isn't it? So, you know, we all know the Pareto principle, you know, 20% of our clients bring 80% of our revenue. So you said the key word when you asked the question, and that's discipline. So you've got to have some discipline and some accountability, and you've got to have the confidence to know that if you are investing in your best clients, because they're the people that are coming on the journey with you and your business, then you will either extract more value from those people or you will attract more people like that. Because as soon as you know uh, who the absolute raving fans for Emily is or your business, then you can get more of those or grow those people into even bigger fans. So, you know, we and we have all heard that it costs more to acquire a customer than, you know, to keep a customer. And it is very true. So what would it be like if you could keep, have your retention really high? Because retention in any business is, you know, key in my business of BNI, retention's, you know, an issue. We've got to really make sure we deliver the brand promise to those people so they stay and become raving fans but you know it's the discipline of knowing where to invest your time and really understanding exactly who is your platinum customer and why because if you understand that you know if you understand stuff you can actually do stuff about it knowledge is power in business right Mm -hmm. it almost sounds like there's an anchor point for all of your decisions. So it's like, hey, it might change with the times, but essentially our customers are gonna have these qualities. And so we're gonna build yeah. everything in our marketing yeah. strategy towards that. Absolutely. So I talk about a thing called purpose, intention, and connection, which is my contemporary version of vision, vision, mission, and values. So purpose is really about what is your business? What do you, what do you stand for? So you can do this as an individual, or you can do it as a business. So your purpose is, you, you, where am I at? What am I here to do? What am I trying to achieve with my, my customers? And so when you understand that, it really helps you to think about what your intention is. So that's how you're going to achieve that, that vision. So you go, okay, so this is how I'm going to do that. And then if you add on the connective part of that, which is your values, so if you really understand your values, then all the things that arrive into your business, the, the challenges and the problems that you need to make decisions on, you can go simply back to your purpose, your intention, and your connection. You can say, is this aligned with that? Is this going to achieve that? You know, I think 10 years ago, people used to say, is this on mission or is, you know, this part mm -hmm. of our vision? And that, it's so true. You could, Just coming back to those position anchors and go, well, are we making a decision that's in line with that? And if it's not, it's an easy no, but this is where people procrastinate and they go, well, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. Maybe we should, maybe we shouldn't, but you know, indecision is, you know, the kryptonite of, of business. You know, you've got to take action, right? You've got to take action. And so having those, that, that holy grail of understanding your purpose, your intention and connection with your customers, you can go yes or no really easily. If you can't, then I invite people to go back and have a look at where, <laughs> where that ship is sailing. <clears throat> and I think too, as things change so rapidly, as we just talked about, if you have that, if you have that touch point, you can say, well, will this technology help us help us get to more people in Correct. that anchor zone? Or like, no, 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 that's great. It's, it's fun and fancy, but not for us. hundred percent. And, you know, I think that in today's world, and I see it a lot, that people 
often want to move from one thing to the next thing really quickly and they're like flipping flopping flipping flopping and you see a lot of those businesses really struggling because they're not making headway but you know one of my mentors said it's better to do one thing a thousand times and a thousand things one time and that takes discipline right but you can only do that one thing a thousand times if you know what your purpose is if you're really clear about what your intention is and how you're going to connect your customers and then you can go oh yes i can do this you know business you can change in business because stuff comes into business but ultimately is this in alignment with where we're heading and it makes it very easy to make decisions super easy it reminds me of Greg McCowan's book, Essentialism, and he has oh, that yeah. graph where there's like a, a circle and then there's, if you're trying to do 12 things, maybe you have 12 arrows out of that circle, but they're short arrows. But if yeah. you focus it on one thing, you have one arrow and it goes further faster because you're focused on that right. one thing. So have, Speaking of one thing, have you read that book? Uh, yes, I have. So yeah. I, I like essentialism. I love the graphs in there, but I have read yeah. one thing as, as well, which is very similar in concept. They've, they've got the same thing going yes, on, right? Absolutely. So it's all about you, your lazy folks. I'm actually going to the One Thing Conference this year in um, oh. Phoenix. I'm super excited about that. Very cool. Yeah. I'm feeling yeah. a little bit guilty because my diary doesn't have my one thing in it every day. I'm just picking up <laughs> five months to the conference. I better get my diary looking a bit better. But, you know, I think, I mean, I love the book and I love what they say. And, you know, I, and I love the idea of doing one thing and really well. It is a discipline, like, you know, we're all humans, you know. Yeah. We're not yeah. always perfect. I don't know about you, but I'm not. <laughs> no, certainly not. Yeah. But I think what I'm hearing from you is make sure you're, you're, you know what you're pointing at. And then yeah. do what you can to keep yourself focused on that on that task, totally. on that thing. Totally, totally, totally. And that, you know, I don't know about you, but I get caught up in procrastination sometimes. And in the past, I've been paralyzed by procrastination, which is not a great feeling. But when I really spent some time working out what I'm doing, why I'm doing and what, what I want to do it for, then my procrastination has abated because... When I get into that state, I can go, well, you know, how is this serving that? And, you know, logically, the answer is it's not. So it's easier to get out of that procrastination. I mean, I, I literally physically get up and move when that happens to me. And I go, well, how is this serving this mission? And, you know, it just isn't. And then I find it a bit easier to set, step back. But I'm still not perfect. I'm a work in, We're all work in progress. <laughs> and, I mean, no one's perfect. So give yourself give yourself some leeway if you're like, oh, that didn't quite work. Or, oh, bye, I got distracted. Um, yeah. And the one thing that I hear you uh, is is like, oh, what is that adage? I think it was Abe Lincoln who said, if you give me six hours to cut down a tree, I'm going to spend the first five sharpening my axe. Yeah. So if people are discouraged of, of, of like, well, I don't want to, like, I need to do something. And it's like, hold on, take a beat and figure out your why and figure out what the heck you're doing and then go execute toward it. Totally. And it comes back to that question we were talking about marketing. If your marketing is not working and, you know, if you haven't spent the first five hours of that six-hour time block working out who you want to connect with and why, because if you can't answer the why, they're not going to want to connect with you. So spend that time investing and then, and then you know, take the action. But we've got to take action. You've got to take action eventually. Sharpen your axe. Sharpen your Sharpen axe. Sharpen your axe and then after five hours, just one big hit and the tree comes down. <laughs> Maybe one. <laughs> so, Braith, where can people find out more about you or how you help people? 
Cool. I have a website, so it's super easy. So it's braithbamkin.com. So I, I, there's only one of me, Emily, thankfully. <laughs> it's an easy website to buy years ago. Uh, so, yeah, jump onto my website. There's buckets of free stuff. I release uh, uh, blogs and videos every week. Uh, I've got some free courses on my website, and I just love to give people uh, the experience, the knowledge of my experience. And I think that, you know, I'm very privileged in the, my, my life, in my business. And I, I think it's incumbent upon me to share that knowledge with as many people as possible. Love it. Thank you. And since Braith is not the most common name in the US, B-R-A-I-T-H, Braith? Correct. B-R-A-I-T-H-B-A-M-K-I-N. That's okay. me. Go find Braith online and uh, connect with him. Tell him you found him on this show. And Braith, thank you so much for being on Leveraging Leadership. Oh, thank you. I knew that we would have a fun time together on this podcast, and I've really enjoyed my time with you. You are a, you're great. You've got a great show. Thank you. Likewise. Likewise. Love it. Thank you so much. Bye. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. 